Welcome back, Seahawks fans, to the newest episode of the Seahawks Nest Podcast. I'm your host, Nathan Sano, joined, as always, by the Dom to my lady. It's Kevin Garber. Kevin, how are you doing? I'm doing great. Yeah, excellent. And our very own Brian. That's right, the buster himself. It's Eric Ronnebeck. Eric, how's it, how's it feel being a cop? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'll take it. I'll take it. Uh, you can have any beer you want. As long as, long as it's, it's a corona. corona. That's my line. <laughs> That's your line for sure. I'm done. Uh, all right. Uh, we're back. New episode of the Seahawks Nest podcast. It was the bye week. So what we did is we spent a little time uh, looking up some season-long stats, thinking about the MVP race. So what you're saying and, is we were uh, very curious about things? And uh, thinking about maybe uh, the rest of the season, the end of the season. Let's start off with that story. The MVP race is hotter than uh, Satan's toenail. It is so hot. It is the hottest thing I can think of. The the people are saying uh, Lamar Jackson's slight favorite now. Uh, the narrative seems to have shifted in Lamar's favor. Eric, you have a very strong feelings about this. So I'm going to let you start. Go ahead. Yeah, man. So he went over this on the quick shot. Only however much money you want to pay a month to be a Patreon. How, how, much, some... do you, how much do you like me doing jokes as in, in an impre- really bad Chris Berman impression? Okay, so yeah. that's the quick shot. I'm really room... good jokes in a really bad impression. Really great jokes, boom. Great I'm, jokes, boom. I'm in a room Whoa. with my friends every week, and Whoa. that's pretty cool. But I will tell you, as a uh, just as a person who appreciates good humor, you are missing out on Nathan's highbrow, <laughs> very stupid Chris Berman takes every week. You've never seen such intelligence and such dumbness since the mighty boosh. I'm telling you right now, it's it's just great stuff. And you can also see it on uh, Disney Plus, eight ninety nine a month. Eric, <laughs> yeah. So uh, back to the matter at hand. I watched some Ravens foosball this weekend. Watched some Lamar Jackson, and I, it's not like the first time I've watched him, but this time I really cued on in on Lamar Jackson. Nothing against him. He's gonna be great. Um, going to be i think he's already great i'm sorry he's going to be like consistently great i think he has a chance to be close to mahomes level but i don't think he's that accurate right now i certainly don't think he's the mvp just because you play on a team that has a very good defense and a very good coach doesn't mean you should be swapped the mvp in your first season i think it's a little too soon to give him that crown that's what I think of Lamar Jackson. Yeah, Lamar Jackson's expected completion percentage this year is uh, pretty low. 64.6% right above Carson Wentz and Gardner Minshew right below Eli Manning. Obviously, he makes up with that. Uh, and and so that means then his actual completion percentage, so you like, okay, so he's supposed to complete 64% of touches. It's actually only 66. So he's 1.7 plus on that. Uh, Russell Wilson is 6.6 higher. His, he's completing harder passes at, at a better rate. So the the thing for me is that, yeah, Lamar's pretty good. He makes a lot of plays with his feet, but he's playing behind the best offensive line in the league, and it makes his life a billion times easier. It's the their number one in passing DVOA for uh, for for blocking. Um, and I just think that that makes that makes Lamar's life easy. It makes it so he can get off for the run better. He gets him so he can get off for the uh, the. You know, get his timing on his passes always gets to be exactly what he wants to be. He gets to play with three excellent tight ends on every play, which really fits what they're trying to do on offense. So, yeah, I don't know. It's it's cool. It's cool that they built this offense around him, and he is performing at an excellent level. And I expect it to continue. But Russell Wilson is doing more with less, and I think that's what impresses. And me he's the most. got a lot of time in the pocket where he's sailing balls over receivers' heads, sometimes wide open. He's just. I understand what the national narrative is trying to do. You can't crown someone now and have anyone sort of take any interest in it outside of the area that you're you're pimping. So I expect Patrick Mahomes... 
to get some talk if he has two really good games coming up. Yeah, that's the thing is, the argument here, Baltimore built an offense around a player, and Seattle just relies on one player to make a functioning (laughs) offense. And I don't know how you value one more than the other. When you start looking at any kind of advanced stats, what you see is for playing the quarterback position, Russ is just a better quarterback right now. His efficiency numbers are insane. And that's something, I mean, should I start just diving into it now? Whatever you want, dude. Sure. All right. That's, what, that's where we're at. So right now, Russell Wilson is twenty is uh, 224 for 327. Um, he's completing 68.5% of his passes. He has a 7% touchdown rate, which is the second best in his career. And he has a 0.6% interception rate, which is his career best. If we project that over a 16-game season... We're looking at 329 for 483, 4,024 yards. Oh, sorry. No, that was his 2015 season, which was really good. And he's going to beat all those numbers. And, and he's throwing uh, to guys who are not open all the time, too. Like, he makes these hard throws where the, the you know, the next-gen NFL stats say these are unlikely to be caught passes. And they get caught anyway because Russ has the ability to put them into spots that are almost impossible. To, uh, to catch it. Yeah, I'm sorry. It's he's, He'll be 358 for 523 for 4,379 yards, 37 touchdowns, and three picks. Uh, if his rates, his rates are the same over the middle and deep as they were last year, sustained over about 8.2% more passes. So we're passing a little more than 8% of the time, more than we were, which is about the same as we were in like 2017, 2016 when his attempts got a lot higher. Um, like 2017, we, he threw 553 times. And 2016, he threw 546 times. So he's going to be more in that range as far as quantity of throws. But his efficiency is the same as last year when he threw 427. Now, to put that in perspective, over 100 more attempts, he is sustaining the same top-tier passing-level stats. He's taking the step that we always said he could. And I think part of that scheme, part of his personnel, and I think it's part of it's just Russ is in that spot in his career. I think a lot of it has to do with scheme. We always talked about how we really want Russ to lead this team on the field, not just, you know, look like the leader on the field. Actually throw the ball around and see if we can get a pass first offense. And I'm gonna give a lot of credit to Schottenheimer, but most credit to Russ. We're just We've unleashed him, and it's about time. And I feel like at this point you're not going to go back, which is really good news for the future. Well, this is what Pete Carroll wasn't sure he could trust. If we turn the reins over to Russ fully, if we are a pass-first team, can we actually sustain an offense? And over the course of the season, this is proof positive that the move we all said should have happened is the correct move. Do you think it was trust in Russ, Kevin, or do you think it was trust in the circumstances around Russ, including Tom Capel and... And to an extent, Daryl Bevel. Sorry, Nathan. I think they opened up the offense in 2016 and 17, became pass first, and watched diminishing results compared to the previous seasons. And especially bottoming out in that 2017 season, his uh, accuracy rate dropped, his interceptions went up. Um, you know, in 2016, he threw 64.7% of his passes, had 21 touchdowns and 11 picks. 2017, he throws more touchdowns, 34, but he still has 11 picks and he has 61% completion percentage. For a guy who wants a really reliable offense, he needs to complete a high percentage of his passes for that to happen, for Pete Carroll to be comfortable. 
So I think that he just didn't do what Pete wanted him to do. This season, dude's moving the ball down the field consistently. Eric, you can talk trash about Bevel all you want. Have you seen what he has done with Jeff freaking Driscoll? Yeah. Like, like the guy the guy is a good offensive coach. I, I, I agree. It was time for him to go here, uh, and he wasn't going to win in uh, the situation we gave him. We if, did not give Bevel. If it was the, the only way. We, we had to get rid of him to get rid of Cable. Cable, exactly. Yes. If it's the only way to excise that cancer from our team, that's that we had we had to do it. On this spot, it's Ask not Trent old Williams news. about that. We talk about that all the time. We all know that Cable was the problem, and it took way too long. Uh, so here's my take we about this, know. and I was kind of trying to save it to you guys. We're done talking about Russell Wilson's stats and all that stuff. Here's my take. It doesn't really matter who wins the MVP award. It is pointless. Who won the MVP in 2015, Eric? Brian Urlacher. <laughs> like, there, no one knows. Serious face. Uh, like Cordero Patterson. I mean, it was a lot of people are going to guess Tom Brady just it because It was Peyton that's, Manning. 2015, it was a quarterback. Peyton well, it's Manning. always a quarterback. That's why you're going to guess a quarterback. Uh, I know for sure it's Peyton Manning. not Drew Brees. And by for sure, Let's I mean, I'm with, guessing. Let's go with Matt Ryan. Uh, the 2015. Come on, Pete. No, no. <laughs> I mean, that was the NBA MVP. Good call, Kevin. 2015 NBA MVP. Cameron Newton. Okay, so that, that's why yeah. the award doesn't matter. Like, no one remembers who won it. And yeah, it'd be a nice feather in the cap of Russell Wilson's Hall of Fame uh, candidacy. But guess what? At this point, if he retired today, I think he'd have a good shot to make it. To be honest, it doesn't matter. It has no significance. He's getting the gold jacket. All I care about is winning the Super Bowl. If that actually mot- if he losing that award motivates the team to play it even a tiny bit better, I would rather he lost it than won it. That's how I feel about the award. You're right. Sure. Uh, so, so it's like I that care that little about it. It is worth less than nothing. It doesn't matter at all. So I uh, that to all of Seahawks fandom. Just, you know, argue for your boy, support your boy, but at the end of the day, if he doesn't win it, who cares? Move on to the next thing. Don't become the fan base that's on Twitter every week whining about how their guy should have been the MVP or after winning the Super Bowl going, oh, see, we should rush should have won the MVP. It does not matter. And I am guarantee you he'll cry into his Super Bowl ring or his $40 million contract. It, either one, he doesn't care. He cares probably even less than I do because uh, he's all about winning. And that's what we like about Russell Wilson is that he cares most. He has the goal in mind. And the goal is not MVP. The goal is Super Bowl champion. Hey, keeping uh, winning in mind, thanks for mentioning Camp Newton and his inability to win. They went, for ruining this night. They went 15. Shame on you. They went 15 and won that season, Eric. And uh, 15. How many Super Bowls did they win? As they you pointed out. The Super Bowl. They I made it to the Super Bowl. At least. I know. They lost in the Super Bowl when he got murdered on the field legally. Yeah, they they like by the, Baltimore. He got killed in that game. He got hack a shacked. Um, hack. That's one way to put it. He did. Uh, all right. So was Greg Williams the DC for that <laughs> that Denver team? It, it was not good. Right. We ready for uh, NFL NFL draft stuff? You want to go I draft? We talk about the rest of the team. First. Rest of the team. Okay. What's current roster? Or, <laughs> yeah, current roster. Okay. Here's the problem with the roster as currently constructed, as I see it. They. Um, their, their defensive plan coming into the season was horrible because the only reason our defense is performing at any level is the found money guys that they found on the street. They got Quandre Diggs for way too less of a draft pick and Jadavion Clowney for way, way too little of, little of a draft pick. If they didn't have, if we didn't have Clowney and now Diggs, I think this defense might not have ever turned it around. But now we're on track to be like a top 10 to 15 defense. And it's because of those two guys. And it worries me that our offseason plan didn't seem to include, uh, those guys pressure or, or fixing the coverage or fixing the coverage right the, the, those things were things that they decided they didn't need they didn't need to fix until they got into the season they were like oh 
oh no like i would say they threw assets at it though we put a lot of draft capital into the secondary sure and they put draft capital into the d-line we just you know didn't pick people who are going to help us right now yeah or ever maybe that's a problem i'm i'm very uh like like like, look look at like max crosby max crosby's been great so far this season for the for oakland yeah it's too bad somebody on this podcast didn't desperately want him we both i think we both said max crosby would be really good but like He's got four sacks last week. Uh, there's all these guys that have just been doing well along the defensive line for teams, and we picked a guy who can't even get on the field. And then uh, for in the secondary, I think that Pete finally is going to trust Ugo Amadi. You saw the interviews this week. He, he said that Ugo is has not been making mistakes and deserves opportunities, which says to me, Jamal Taylor uh, sayonara you're like your time is ending oh man i can't do that's because i need I that in my heart i can't because i i can't really read but you know that's the the, the pete speak he's not going to say jamal jamal taylor you suck you know what i mean but you got like jamal kinda, taylor's got a got I've, a playing football thing but i've uh but but i've i've learned how to read between the lines on pete he tries to mentally prepare you for what's going to happen yeah and uh that him telling saying that about ugo is him saying like hey this guy's going to get some snaps at slot corner or at free and uh, that's so the next week. That means that someone else has either Quandry's getting the uh, snaps on the slot, or because there's no way yeah. Quandry's not getting snaps. Quandry Diggs is playing. And the, Taylor all, is. Quandry Diggs is playing every snap next game. Yeah. The question is: Is he going to rotate into the box, or is he going to stay right. at free? Yeah. Because I think if we're doing a two safety set, we're looking at him as and he's one of our four starting DBs. To be honest, this is the kind of team where I don't because the Eagles like to play with tight ends, multiple tight ends on the field, uh, and all their tight ends are very athletic and very talented. Goddard and Ertz. Both have the ability to get open on They're linebackers best receivers right and now. linebackers and safeties, depending on how they match up. They so we need you need to be careful how you match those guys up. And so I think that the way the Seahawks attack this this offense this week is going to be really important. And we've seen over the last four weeks, Pete's had a much bigger willingness to try to scheme what we do to what they want to do, as opposed to just throwing our base defense on there and waiting for everyone to beat us with a bunch of eight yard slants. Uh, yep. That he is no longer doing that. He has said, "I'm going to modify our defense and change what we're doing to try to make it so that they have to do something different." And it's working so far, and our defense looks better. And it's which giving good because it's giving clowny time to back. it's giving clowny time to kill people, which yeah. is which is really helping because um, now the coverage doesn't just hold up. That was the conversation we had in the car on the way over. Was the big change in the pass rush was that they couldn't just dump the ball off and. 2.2 seconds uh, for San Fran. Yeah. So the change of the pass rush was the change of the coverage. I agree with you completely there. I hope it sticks around. I mean, that was a huge game against San Francisco just a week and a half ago. But I'm really interested to see if our pass rush is truly back. I don't want to say it's back because if we come in here a week from now in a new house and say, oh, you know, I don't know what happened to the pass rush. It's not going to be what happened. It's going to be what happened against San Francisco that we were able to do that. Well, was it a ref thing? And what was it? I think a key point to add into that, too, especially with Ugo Amadi stepping in, uh, Pete's been more likely to trust a rookie after the bye week. There's something about the way that he practices over a bye week that makes him, uh, in the second half of the season, after a bye week, he tends to trust... Uh, younger or less proven players a lot more. You see an uptick in the playtime, and this could be a manifestation of that. Yeah. I uh, Okay, so the defense. I think the biggest problems are injuries 
and we've had injuries all year. And then, like I said, the fact that the the offseason plan didn't really seem super well executed and just kind of came together by fate, right? Fate favored us. They wanted to, the Lions, for some inexplicable reason, wanted to get rid of a safety who I think is borderline Pro Bowl caliber. And Jadavian Clowney decided, I only want to play for the Seahawks, trade me there, or I won't play. Yep. Those things are, are completely luck-based, and it is... Uh, it's very nice. It's worked out very, very well for us. Yeah, so I would good. do it again. I'm very happy about it. <laughs> but I'm just saying, like, the offseason plan was sketchy up until that point. And then on offense. I went pretty deep on this, so let's okay, go ahead and get so into gonna, it. So I'm going to start. Okay, quarterback. No, I'm just kidding. Quarterback's great. <laughs> we did quarterback already. Uh, right right. There. Running back. Um, what do you think about our run scheme this year? Run scheme like is... the way that our utilization. It's it's fine. It's, it relies a lot on Chris Carson's ability to break tackles, which is a fine thing because he's good at it. Um, I'm a little worried about what happens next because Carson's going to come up for second contract, and I'm not sure that, that I want to be the team that pays its quarterback a, a ton of money and then also pays their second second contract to their running back. That's pricey and probably not smart. But our running game won't work without Chris Carson if we don't get better offensive linemen. Yep. So it's like a real catch-22. Like, I don't want to go to Penny and then say, hey, Rashad, you need to beat, like, a guy in the backfield. That's not his game. He can stretch the field out and go wide, He and he's pretty good at if you give him a gap, to uh, getting through that gap and, and making a big move. But Rashad Penny's not the guy who's going to run over a guy at the goal line and force a five-yard run like Carson does. Carson, a guy meets him at the line of scrimmage, that's a five-yard run because he's going to run that guy over and then drag him four more yards. Yep. That's just and how he is. And then fall forward for the last two yards. So, so, yeah, our running scheme works for now, but I worry about into the future if we, you know, we either have a choice. We have to give Carson, what, $8 million? I don't know. I think he's earned it at this point, right? $8 million, $9 million, $10 yeah, I million? Think that's, I think uh, yeah, $8 million million is on the low end. I think $8 million it's, is like the minimum. It's, it's rough. It's going to be rough to try to re-sign Chris, and that's what we're looking at if we don't, you know, we and that's, what, two years away, right? So they, we have to start mm-hmm. thinking about the succession plan. Now we can't. We can't just rely on Carson's going to be here forever. Also, he fumbles like a lot. So, yep. you know, the there's that too. You know, do you want a guy – our coach preaches ball security. Ball. They have a whole day at practice dedicated to ball security, and this guy still can't stop fumbling. That's a problem, right? So we have to think about how that fits in with what we want to do too. Um, it's it tough. coincides with Carson's uh, morning bowel movement. Is the ball security? It's no, I don't. I don't know what's going on. I'm just missing out. Uh, is Todd Homer the guy that can take over for Chris Travis Carson? Homer? Yeah. No, Todd Homer. Travis. Uh, Travis. The, Homer? I actually was thinking the whole th- the whole time. Don't say Todd Homer. Think Todd Helton. Don't say it. And then I said it. Travis Homer. Classic. My, my take on him. Never is that fumbled at Miami. Career. Uh, He's going to be a career backup slash special teamer. He's and, got a lot of Mike Davis. In yeah, him. he's he's never going to quite uh, get there in my opinion. But you never know. The guys guys surprise you all the time. Sometimes you see a guy just come off a bench and just tear it up. You just never know. Well, but, that's a good dude on a late deal. You know, yeah. like he's we're paying him nothing. We'll probably always pay him nothing. And then worst case, somebody like the Bears signs him for too much and we get a draft pick for him. I also like, that's a good asset. I don't think that. Pete Carroll lucked out with Chris Carson. I think he scouted him well. Oh, he knew what he was doing. And he sure. knew what he was doing. And I feel that the Seahawks will be able to do that again, meaning find a bruising running back that they can couple with maybe a Rashad Penny or someone else and a Todd and or Travis Homer. So to put some perspective on the numbers here, Chris Carson is on pace for 320 attempts per 1,365 yards, 78 avoided tackles, and 10 fumbles. Mm. Uh, the average season for Marshawn Lynch from 2012 to 2014 is like the heart of his success, 
was 353 attempts for 1,648 yards. Our usage pattern for Carson and Penny this year is extremely similar to our Marshawn and Robert Turpin uh, uh, usage pattern in like 2013-2014. So that tells you how much we're leaning on one back this year. Is there a is there a running this was a I think this is a strong running back draft. Which is I'm just going to be real about it. Is there is there of the you know top tier runners, Kevin, is there some that are are catching your eye more than others especially for the Seahawks style of like we need 5 yards in a cloud of dust kind of thing? There's a couple I have my eye on, but I'll let you go first. I mean, Jonathan Taylor tailback. Okay. Uh, that is a guy <laughs> who you hand the ball off to and he will get you some yards. He will fall forward. He's definitely that kind of guy. But you're probably paying a premium for yeah, him. Yeah, it's a late, late first or early second. And and I don't know how comfortable I am. That's same with that him with. That's the same with DeAndre back. Swift, who is like another yep. really good, powerful running back. Uh, Swift has more home run ability, I think, than Jonathan Taylor too. I would which agree. Is, which is like uh, exciting, but he's also like a late first rounder, early second rounder. Uh, so, Zach Zach Moss out of Utah is like a really. A guy who I think he'll be a mid-round, like third through fifth kind of guy. I think second, third. I think he's had enough injury history. Yeah, maybe you're right. Maybe false. But Zach Moss is the kind of guy who, depending on how he does in the process, could fall into an area because the Seahawks have like eleven third-round picks. No, they don't have that many, but they have a lot. And if he like, if we're like, hey, we like Zach Moss a lot. He can be our power runner. You know, the successor to uh, Carson's power throne. Uh, That's a guy I think that's worth keeping an eye on it uh, week to week at Utah. Yeah, and Najee Harris though he's gonna blow it up in the combine, which will bring his draft stock way up. Yeah, and I don't 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 fall in love with any of these speed guys, uh, Chuba Hubbard or um, uh, Travis Etienne. Those are guys that I think are too samey as Penny, like guys that like to guys who'd be really strong in a zone scheme, guys who can bounce it outside. Maybe Um, Cam Akers can do enough of both, where he's kind of a speed guy, but he can run it up the gut. Right. Um, but yeah, I would say for the most part, it's a lot of dudes. Uh, e- even like Scotty Phillips out of Ole Miss. Um, yeah, these are people who you're not really getting that like bruising back that Pete wants needs. Okay. Wide receiver. Uh, wide receiver this year we have uh, we have DK Metcalf who has been the uh, I think the best wide receiver in this rookie class and looks to have a very bright future ahead of him. It, uh, I'm saying a thousand yard seasons in the future. He Can looks, we talk how bright? Looks like a future uh, number one wide receiver. He's on pace to have one of the best rookie wide receiver seasons in quite some time. Like not Mike Evans or uh, Keenan Allen level, but like the one sub level below that, which is really nice. Yep. 56 catches for 952 yards and eight touchdowns. Wow. Uh, the one I like, 37 first down catches on 56 is the projection. Uh, 17 yards per catch. That compares favorably to like Amari Cooper, mm-hmm. 72 receptions for 1,070 yards. AJ Green, 70 receptions for 1,104 yards. Uh, what I was looking at was the catch percentage, because I think that's the thing that all of us are kind of concerned about. Yeah, it is concerning, but he... 56.5%. But again, Amari Cooper, 58.5. A.J. Green, 56.9. And they're making these catches downfield. And these are guys who hover around 60% for their whole career. Yeah, and and I think like for, for DK, the... The thing for me that I, I see him is that he gets a, he, he doesn't get like a ton of catchable balls. When we talked earlier about Russell throwing a lot of balls that maybe aren't possible to be catched, a lot of those go DK's way. Yep. And he just kind of throws it up and then hopes that DK can make a play on it. Or play good DB. My favorite DK Metcalf fact is that whenever my son sees DK Metcalf during the game, he looks right at him, points to him, and says, Baba, which is how my son asks for his pacifier. <laughs> <laughs> so, so uh, yeah, there you go, DK. Um, way to go, Drift King. Dude, you, you did it. Uh, okay, but 
the wide receiver also we got of course tyler tyler's having another good season yeah. uh picked up a knock last last week but it probably will be okay with it if it's not this week sounds like a like the kind of thing where the bye week was perfectly timed he might have missed the, a game if we had it this week but he won't miss a game because he got to take a five days sitting at home can i do a fun perfect. comparison sure so if we project locket stats over 16 games and uh average it out over 2018 and 2019 he averages 80 receptions on 96 targets for 1177 yards and 10 touchdowns with 57 or with 53 first downs. Doug Baldwin 2013 through 2017 when he was our number 1 receiver and the heart of his career averaged 84 receptions on 112 targets for 1090 yards and 51 first downs per season with 9 touchdowns. Tyler Lockett is officially higher upside Doug. Okay. He got there. Ready? Tyler Lockett, so far this season, um, among slot slot performers who have taken more than uh, 175 snaps in the slot this year, he is the first in, ca- in reception percentage. 83.3% of his passes thrown his way are target, and second in yards per route run. Um, him and Cooper Cup are, like, lapping the field in this stat. Uh, 2.53 yards per route run for Cup, 2.48 for Lockett, and Jarvis Landry in third with 1.95. Just, just uh, I mean, just yeah, Tyler Lockett looks amazing this year and just Do you want to know another dumb stat? Just really good in the slot. Like um, Tyler Lockett has caught 10 out of 11 catchable balls over 20 yards in the air. He's a tactician out there, man. <laughs> he's just He just does does what he's supposed to do looks really really good i mean for a guy who works out of the slot his yards per route run are awesome he's also been great on deep throws there's just nothing nothing the man cannot do um so yeah good job tyler we don't got josh gordon i was gonna say we don't need the prototypicals i just want to sneak in here Mm -hmm. Uh, we don't need the prototypical number one receiver we have a number one in tyler lockett and he doesn't need to be like AJ Green in his prime or Julio Jones. Now you it's... say that. You say we don't need the prototypical number one receiver. But what if I told you that this next year's draft is a draft with like ten prototypical potential number one wide receivers? This year's it, wide it, receiver draft reminds me of the one where we picked up Lockett, where you're just sitting there going, or last year when we got DK, and you're going somebody's going to fall to like the end of round two, beginning of round three, who should not be at the, the end of round two, beginning of round three. The top 10 wide receivers in this draft, however you shake them out, are dumb. Are like all potentially first round guys. Like, but they won't all go in the first round. That's the thing. Some of those guys are going to go in round two. Some, some of those guys might even go in round three. Yep. Um, Kevin, give me your one, one favorite and I'll give you my one favorite. And then we'll uh, my favorite that we might get, or my favorite overall. Just your favorite overall. CD Lamb out of Oklahoma. Okay. CD Lamb hurt, hurt last week. I shed a tear because I was really excited to watch him play Baylor because I was like, he'll light Baylor up. Dude, <laughs> the dude's six two, but he plays like he's five ten. He's in and out of his cuts like nobody's business. He's special. I, the guy just gets separation in ways whenever it's like we always talk about with tyler the guy has two steps in his back pocket whenever he needs him right. this guy is incredible downfield receiver all right mine's lavisca chenault jr and why do i like him because they play him at like 11 different positions yep. it's like so cool this guy lines up in line as a tight end even though he's not huge he's six one, but he's but he plays tight end. he plays h-back he plays wide receiver they move move him all over the field and he's always open doesn't matter where he lines up the guy can run a great route and get open and he's just a big play waiting to happen every play i think he'd be a perfect complement to like the size speed combination of uh of 
DK and the complete technician that is Tyler Lockett. This guy could just like come out. You don't know where he's going to be. Oh, he's standing over next to Will Disley. Oh, shoot. Now we're screwed. Like, <laughs> like that's the kind of guy that he is. And I think it'd be cool to if he ended up on the Seahawks. But you know what? Like I said, there's like 10 dudes. Jerry Judy, C.D. Lamb. All these guys are awesome. They're so good. You might have to give um, a quick rundown of names to look at because they're coming to the end of the college football season. Just watch Just watch college football, though. Like Alabama has three wide receivers yep. that are all incredible. Two of them are going to go second round or later. And they're good. Like, like Henry Ruggs could end up being if, the best wide receiver out of the whole bunch. If Devon, well, he reminds me of Golden Tate. I think Henry after Ruggs, he Henry Ruggs after combine is going to be a first round pick. Like this, just going to happen. But it, like, okay, fine. Then Michael Pittman out of USC, or Tyler Johnson out of Minnesota, or, like Devon, or, or like, Colin Johnson out of Texas, or like uh, Justin Jefferson, the or Jalen Rager if he comes out out T, of TCU. T Higgins. Yeah, this is T. just Higgins dumb. There's so, so many six four guys. Uh, Chase Claypool from Notre Dame. Like, there's just a lot of. Guys with size, guys with speed, guys with size and speed. Here, wait, I had a dra- I had something in the draft guide that I was looking at. Um, ah, whatever, I don't care. It's there's uh, two- Tylen Wallace got there's injured out of Oklahoma so State. He might good. drop pretty far. Um, Tylen Wallace is a great deep threat. Yeah, there's just a it's just a really good set of wide receivers, and like like when a guy like Michael Pittman is going to be available probably around three or four because of how stupid the wide receiver talent is. Uh, yeah. It's it's pretty sweet. Yep. It's pretty sweet for There's going to be a dude who and, just shouldn't be there. And Josh Gordon's not the long-term solution. So we we are going to be able to find the long-term solution probably this year at a affordable price with our a million third round picks. We're going to pick whichever it just pick whichever guy falls like we did this year. Yep. This year was a pretty strong wide receiver draft and we picked the guy that fell and we all saw how that worked. Seemed good. I guess it all depends on what our pass rush looks like and what our offensive line looks like. And I don't mean what it looks like at the end of the year. I mean, our future, well, what we have going in and what's available. First and second round, you're probably looking at um, a pass rusher, yeah. a DB or an O-lineman. Like, that's going to happen there. So when you look at we have, we'll have probably four picks or so in the third and fourth round. One of those will probably go to receiver. And it'll be a great investment. And one, and one I'll go to tight end. We'll pick a guy like unless somebody like Hunter really Bryant, dumb, Hunter Bryant sure. or something. And I think but we'll if, have if some... something really dumb happens. Like if uh, Rugs falls to the end of the second, like what happened with DK, yeah, like we'll happened. just spend it, and you won't care because it'll end up being such a good value. It doesn't matter. Well, we haven't gone over our, our salary cap, and that'll be a, a much later episode. But we will have some money to play with. Maybe we won't if we resign Jadavian, but. I, I anticipate Jadavian there'll Clowney be some moves. Is the instant answer at edge if like, like I'm not in love with this edge class so far. I haven't watched anything outside the top like five or ten guys. It's a good edge class, but it's not like outstanding the way I felt like some sometimes it is. Like last I year, I feel like it's better on the interior pass rush yeah. outside of Chase Young, who's Chase, disgusting. Chase Young is gross. Yeah, but we're not getting Chase Young. He's getting picked first. I was about to say whoever doesn't pick him first made a mistake. I don't care what position you needed. Yeah, unless unless like the. Literally, the Dolphins end up with the first pick, and even then, I think you can justify it because that team could probably win with a really good defense, and then Ryan Fitzpatrick, mm-hmm. <laughs> you probably could get away with it, and this guy will make your defense awesome. Um, but yeah, I, the other guys is like you know Espinosa and Aquara, and I don't know the there's guys, but they're not like I like Curtis Weaver out of Boise State, but like yeah. there's a lot of people that are interesting, but not someone you can count on utah's defense is really good i could see us going back to that well it seems like sure. a, it seems like a thing that that pete's doing is like well coach kind of picking a team that has like really good coaching and really good track record and just kind of mining their players like we picked two utah guys last year i wouldn't be surprised if we picked a couple more next year because it's just a it's just a powerhouse 
Uh, picked more UW. Can we do that with Colorado also? Colorado, yeah. Colorado, although Tedrick didn't work too good, but uh, maybe just on the offensive side. Lavisca Chanel, that's the Colorado wide receiver. Yeah, that's the the guy I was talking about. There he is. He's so good, dude. He's like, yeah, he's he's been asked to run a limited route, but like, I don't care. But he can get open, and the routes don't look crisp. The things that he they ask him to do, but they basically just tell him do whatever you want. Right, he's got that that offense is very improvisational. Um, All right, let's talk Philadelphia Eagles. Okay. We've talked a little bit. Is there, was there anything else, Kevin? Tight end? Uh, I did want to talk tight ends real uh, just, quick. Go ahead. Just give me give me two college tight ends you like. Uh, you so I want to talk about our usage, though. Oh, okay. Um, so what a I lot. want to say, uh, <laughs> Hollister's offering similar first down upside to what Disley did early in the season, and that's really cool to see. Uh, that's a key piece of the Schottenheimer scheme. So I just kind of wanted to bring up the fact that uh, I feel like Jacob Hollister has stepped in, and if you look at it by the numbers, he's offering the same type of player. And we need that in the scheme. So if we were going to take a guy, if we weren't comfortable relying on Disley to ever have a season where he's not hurt, and we weren't comfortable relying on Hollister plus question mark, question mark, question mark, then this is a pretty talented draft. Uh, There's a dude out of Missouri um, who's uh, Albert, and I'm not going for the last name. Uh, It's a difficult pronunciation, but there's just, there's a lot of guys. This kind of hybrid H-back tight end role is a thing that's happening a lot in the in the college game right now. And we like to come out with two tight ends quite a bit. You've noticed it. Yeah, Matt to the, Bushman to the, out of BYU. To the point where they, when, all our, when all our tight ends got hurt last week, they lined up Jaron Brown on <laughs> yeah. the end and they lined up uh, they did uh, David Moore for three plays on a tight end. They are they want to get two tight ends on the field. It's noticeable and as opposed to having a fullback. And that's good because two tight ends is much better than having a fullback. Uh, so that's fine. I'm good. I'm good with it. But I would like to see it um, continue evolve. to de- continue to evolve and develop, and, and really pick up more tight ends if that's what we're going to do. Yeah, and having three tight ends where you have, like you were saying, you have uh, Hollister, you have Disley, and then you have a third guy who you can rely on to play a decent number of snaps because we don't know what those two guys are going to look like long term. All right. Now we're Eagles. Now we're Eagles. Okay. E A G L E S. Sucks, Such sucks, a sucks. great theme oh. song. Okay, that is a good theme song. It's the like, Eagles. Uh, just spell a Buccaneers. The Eagles you? have an excellent offensive line. They have two really good tight ends. Their quarterback is aggressively fine. Thank I would you. say, <laughs> I actually think he's having a pretty good season. He's having season. a pretty good season. He's um, prone to some weird plays every now and then. Their run game player. sucks. They have a million drops. And that's big. Wentz's biggest problem is that they have, their drops is in. Insane. Wait, is his biggest problem that their drops are insane, or is his biggest problem that they keep using their terrible running game and putting him behind the chains? Despite all the injuries, they still have like four of the top twenty drops guys in the NFL. Just saying, but that also the offensive so line. So many Jordan Howard handoffs. The offensive line's a little dinged up. They haven't gotten much out of their, as Kevin said, much out of their running backs. Their running backs aren't breaking tackles either, which is like, uh, like not great. The it's yeah by comparison we got 2.93 uh yards after contact per attempt for jordan howard and sanders about 2.64 which is about where we're getting from penny right now so however you feel about penny breaking tackles that's how you should feel about their just how good their offensive line is they should be creating more on in the run game and And they're running a ton it's just not happening it's just like it's a it's a it's a slightly above average to average run game and it should be really good based on just based on the the intangibles you know based on 
how based good, on the line how good the offensive line is but the offensive line keeps getting dinged up in the middle of the game and they have to shuffle guys around in the middle of the game and that's that's hard even though lane johnson's appeared in every game he's missed significant chunks of Clowney's probably gonna play and, against a backup tackle and, and then that's gonna be good for lane us. johnson seems like he's gonna be out this week is peters gonna play this week do you know uh no one knows J- jason peters he played most of last week but you know he's been in and out of the lineup all season and he did miss parts of last game as well uh so the i'm it's tough and they have good backup tackles too like the guys um they have um dillard who has played pretty pretty average uh, but that's good for a rook and then they have the other guy uh, with the vitae yeah and then he's been pretty good too but he plays guard and tackle they've got all these backup guys who are decent but like shuffling it, we've talked about this before on this podcast. You're still dropping from like a top five tackle to like a, a middle of the back. Also, tackle. shuffling your offensive line around all the time is hard on those dudes. Yep. And we've been doing it this season, and we finally have gained some consistency over the last couple of weeks. And you've seen things stabilize a little bit. But even even though Joey Hunt is less talented than the other guys, but they've played basically the same offensive line for what three weeks, four weeks in a row. Yeah, Fetty hasn't looked like and, total crap. And things have gotten better because the guys play better when they have get, get have consistency. You know what to expect. You know how guys. And like, there's a good example of this. Last week, if you go to Baldinger's breakdowns, that one of my favorite NFL follows on Twitter. But Bald Baldinger, he he did a play where the the Eagles are in their own end zone and they have all these backup offensive linemen in, and then they do they have a they have eight eight guys, an extra offensive lineman and two tight ends, and they're on their own goal line. Okay, and they have to run it out of the goal line. And two tackles on the right side, they have two tackles. Uh, they have the extra tackle plus uh, Vaiti. They're going to double, they're going to do a double a team block on a guy, and then Vaiti's going to go up to the second level. And it's like one of the worst team blocks I've ever seen in my entire life. And it's because <laughs> those guys haven't played together enough. They just don't know what they're supposed to be doing in that situation, right? They don't have the communication, and they and that's bad coaching. That's bad. I mean, you know, they're that's bad preparation, right? They're not prepared for that situation, and so then they get they get destroyed. And you know, Miles Sanders doesn't even have a chance to barely get out of the backfield before there's a guy in his face. That kind of thing is the kind of thing I could see Clowney doing all day in this game. Is if these guys have to roll out here with backups and and moving guys around and all of that kind of stuff, Clowney's going to have a field day on those guys because that that's something you can't do with a guy that talented. Um, that's that's big big thing for the Eagles this week is if they have the consistent offensive line if they have the really good offensive line we could be in trouble but uh, you know that's that's how I feel about them on offense I think that they have a good coach but I know that I know you're a Carson Wentz fan Nathan no Carson, you, you've always kind of defended I'm him. a hater you're no, not a total I'm hater. the exact opposite Dude, I'm of the Carson wisest I have been driving the bus of hate on I am the wisest Carson Wentz hater in this room here's the thing about Carson Wentz okay because you always say something nice about Carson him. Wentz Really good at deep throws. Really good at throwing behind the line of scrimmage. Really good really at, good at intermediate receivers. Throws. But if the throw is between zero and ten yards, you'll like airmail it. Into it's the first weirdly, row. weirdly inaccurate. One of the worst accuracies in that in that in that like low to mid range, which is bad because when you play in the in the shotgun all the time, you know you often want to do like a quick throw that goes like six yards and let the guy run after the catch. And his are inaccurate. And yes, people are like, oh, but they're dropping all of the passes. Well, guess what? Part of that is those balls are slightly inaccurate. They're not perfectly thrown on those intermediate routes. Yeah, when you throw behind the receiver, they're gonna drop it. He's good at throwing deep. He's good at throwing short. Or behind the line of scrimmage, you know, like screen passes and stuff, bubble bubble passes, things like that. But those intermediate routes, he's just not that great. And he also has a weird thing where he can't throw as good to his left. It's like... um, Yeah, throwing across the formation. He's kind of a first-read quarterback in a lot of ways still. And so 
unless it's like a longer developing play, he kind of is better on the throws to his right where his eyes already are, or especially over the middle. Pressure's ca- pressures cause him to break down a lot. I mean, that's obvious from the he's got a little Jared Goff from the from the uh, thing, but like. You know, his rating goes from 97 to 78. He's one of the – he's just not great under pressure. Um, what do you think his his uh, NFL rating is, like, rank in the NFL is under pressure? It's 15th. He turns into a bang average quarterback when he's under pressure, and he's a slightly above average when he's kept clean. So, yeah, I just think, you know, I'm not, not a huge fan. Not a huge Wentz fan. Just uh, – he's just fine. He's fine. He's he can win you. You can win a Super Bowl with Carson Wentz as your quarterback, but you need a lot of other stuff to go right. And like having every wide receiver hurt and your offensive line shuffling around week to week is not it. On the bright side, their defense is also like middling. I, uh, their I secondary think... is not good, and their pass rush is uh, really really reliant on two players. But they're both really good players I think because Derek it's Bar- Brandon Graham and Fletcher Cox. I think Derek Barnett's been Derek Barnett's solid. He gets pretty good productivity. Um, he's playing a lot more snaps this year than he did last year, and it's honestly it, hurting his overall it's, numbers. It's hurt his efficiency for sure. They should mix in more Vinny Curry. Vinny Curry is fine. Like they, I don't know he's why. Old. He, I don't know why he doesn't play a little bit more because that I think that would help them. Kinda. What they need is Josh Sweat to have uh, actually progressed at all. But, but I think it's a solid defense, and they've been really much better since T.J. Edwards came came back and like gave them a little. Uh, like he's been giving them like 15 snaps of like coverage a game, which they just needed like a guy who could cover the middle of the field. Because but their secondary is not good outside of Jalen Mills. Their middle of the field coverage is like. Uh, it's like ours was. It's like Andrew Sandejo is is a is hot trash. I don't don't like him. Uh, I I just. I don't know. This is like a you can attack these guys like and just go right after them. Yeah, just throw and it. Whoever's the, not being covered by Jalen Mills, Sidney Jones, Rasul Douglas, Ronald Darby, Avante Maddox, like all those guys, you can just attack them. You can attack the other linebackers, uh, Nathan Jerry, Nigel Bradham. You can just go right after those guys. They've not been good this year. Uh, you can go after you can go after everyone. You can go after anyone you want. Yeah, they've so tried. Be, they've tried so many cornerbacks this year too. It's yep. crazy. They have like. 15 cornerbacks who have like 100 snaps so they're like trying different guys and nothing works but again what's the other thing we talked about the offensive line and the secondary the two places where consistency helps they have not consistently played the same secondary and they haven't been able to find a combination that works and And they're gonna suffer for that we should have a lot of open looks um to tight ends to slot receivers especially uh Lockett, if he's healthy, could have a huge game. They can't cover both Gordon and DK Metcalf with Jalen Mills, so one of them should be open. They and they they play a lot of like two linebackers and and uh, they shuffle all their linebackers in it because none of them are good except for the you know the coming back from injury. Uh, but TJ Edwards has been f- fine <laughs> in his limited action, but the it's just it's a it's a yeah you're right it's a mediocre defense with like four four players who scare you and you just got to take care of those guys it's gonna be a high scoring game that's that's like what i'm uh what i'm worried about it's like yep. a, it's like a, it's gonna be a, it's boat gonna be race, a bit of a shootout and it's it's gonna be close uh, i don't see a shootout at all i think we're getting lucky that it's not in prime time this way the eagles aren't going to feel like they have to get up for it because their season is slipping away you know, you don't a little th- bit. You don't think that gives us that. That's part of why I think it's going to be a shootout here because that 10 a.m. start, man, that, that accursed 10 a.m. start. I really don't. I think there might be struggling, but shootout implies that it's going to be, you know, 28-28. I feel like this has a chance to be 24-7, 24-12 Oh, you think we're going to? Whoa. I really do. I, I feel. I, I, is that you? That is that is up to you guys if you want to move on. I'm ready. Eric's okay, 24-7. I'm going to say, no, I'm going to go 24-12. With a stupid Chris Berman score, 24-12. But 
listen to this. The Eagles can be caught napping, and the Seahawks will come out after the bye week. They're either going to lay a tremendous egg, or they're going to take care of business. And look at historically us in Philadelphia, or even us against Philadelphia, outside of the year that Seneca Wallace started. Sorry, I had to think of the name real quick. Rashid Wallace. We deal, yeah, and his ice cream cone head. Uh, we deal in dollars over the Eagles, and we're going to deal them this weekend. Nathan. Nathan. Kevin, Kevin, what do you think about Kevin. this game? I'm already ready for you. All right, we're going to go with me. Yeah. I think I'm with you. I think this is going to be a shootout. Q shootout effect. We don't have a soundboard. So. That's wrong. Wrong shootout. Wrong shootout. Um, I'm going to go with, uh, let's go big. I'm going 37-27 Seahawks. Um, I'm I'm right there with you, Kevin. Uh, Philadelphia's playoff odds dropped to 37% this week. A big part of it's the fact they're one game back and they have to play us this week. That's brutal. It's not a good, I don't think it's a great matchup for them. Our defense is finally coming around, which was our big weakness. Now it's looking like the Seahawks have a legitimate uh, top, you know, top fifteen-ish defense, which is good enough to to be carried by what, uh, what I think is offense. The, the number number two, number three offense in the entire football league. Maybe number four. Maybe you go. It depends on how you feel about Dallas. You know, it's Kansas Not City, great. Kansas City, Baltimore, and then us and Dallas are really close together. Dallas has been really good this season. They're first in DVOA, um, and they're they had a bad last game, but for the most part, it, it, they've been really really good. Uh, Dak is awesome. I don't, I don't know what 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 he did is. I think like. He has Jerry, a better offensive coordinator. Jerry Jones is very excited to give him like the richest contract in NFL history. Yeah, because yeah. they show him in the box, and you think like every time Dak threw a touchdown pass, he'd be like, "Oh no, oh, ah, turn my pocketbook." But he just looks so excited, and I'm like, "Yeah, that guy doesn't care." Uh, also, he's dead. Is he dead? It's a weekend at Bernie's. It is kind weekend of thing? at Bernie's. Huh. All right. Too soon. I know that. Too, too, too soon to reference movie. my favorite movie. Who cares about <laughs> Jerry Jones? Uh, so I, I. One the thing is that a thing that could separate us is that our special teams are both similarly as bad, but our kicker came back to life last week. Last oh, week, no. Jason Jason Myers is back, baby. Pro Bowl Jason Myers. Let's go. Seahawks win on a Jason Myers field goal. Oh, 35. Yikes! My heart. <laughs> <laughs> yep, that's right. Jason Myers. It's been a week oh, off. Yeah. Time to get that heart rate back uh. up. Myers has a strong Jason, connotation to Jason Mike, Jason Michael Myers. Uh, wait, what's the uh, their guy? Uh, Freddy Krueger. Uh, Jason Freddy Krueger. <laughs> I can't fit it in all in there. All right, uh, you ready? Jason for Michael Freddy Krueger Myers. You guys, Leatherface. You guys, <laughs> Leatherface. Is this gonna turn? <laughs> is this gonna turn into one of those uh, like Pete 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 Rary? <laughs> It's all over again. Pete Rary's back. Pulai. Can't wait for the month of Pulai. Uh, oh, no. Hey. <laughs> Peach lie. Pune. Um, okay. Let's get into it. Patreon. Yep. Thanks to our new Patreon, uh, Malcolm. Thanks for joining the squad. Love it. Um, yeah. then, Glad you hopped right into the chat, too, where yeah. uh, that's most you, of the benefits. If you, can't, if you can't find the, the chat, <laughs> just let us know and just post a, you know, post a message to us on Patreon because the... the I don't know how to pin posts on Patreon or anything. I'm too stupid. Uh, Jay, thanks, James, Tom, Lucas, Carrie, Richard, Bob, Kieran, Brett, Mike, David, Floctimus, Michelle, Brian, Frank, and Nick, and everyone else who's a Patreon. Join us in the chat. Come listen to me do a really good Chris Berman impression. Uh, and by really good, I mean just there's a free one. There's a free episode we did like um, great work, boom, three three weeks ago uh, that I did. 
Wow, and, uh, yeah. I think wow. two weeks ago, wow. You can scroll back and look at that one. One thing I, I'll say is that my picks, I spend less time thinking about which team I'm going to pick and more time just thinking of the jokes, and it's made my picks worse. So if you are using my picks, I apologize, but I think Actually, I'm going to... I think your picks have gotten better. I think I'm going to value jokes over... Oh, jokes over accuracy. <laughs> gotta live the meme. That's uh, what's important in life. Yeah, that's I gotta live my best life. So, uh, all right, movie club. This week is heist and crime, and uh, so that's like mob movies. I've got some big uh, questions mafia. for you, gentlemen. This is uh, this is a good week. I'm really excited about it. Um, let's I've get got right to it. Four movies that involve crime that I am asking you guys if they count as crime Go. movies. Spotlight. Spotlight. Uh, I'm, I'd say that goes in the awards. I'm going with the awards as well. Okay. Yeah, I'm out, I'm out. Okay. The Big Short. Uh, I would say awards. I also. would also say awards. Yeah. Okay. Uh, Wolf of Wall Street. I think this belongs here. You do? Uh, yep. I had the same question. I'm going to flip a coin, Kevin. Uh, I also was more leaning towards drama, but it's also a yeah, comedy. I feel like it's. I, w- I want to say this is going to go in genre breakers week. It could be Wolf a genre. of Wall Street. Could be a genre breaker. Uh, and then Nightcrawler. Nightcrawler is out because that is crime. That's a hundred percent crime. Is that crime? Yeah. He's yeah, a... he's filming crime and committing oh, crime. Gosh, damn it. it's, it's all crime. Um, Fine. All crime all the time. Fine. Right. So That's, are we? Going then I have Wolf to officially move something. I have to move a movie into my list. <laughs> Wolf of Wall Street out. Nightcrawler in. Ready? Is the choice. So the number one movie for me is Twenty One Jump Street again. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I, I totally could put it in this category though. It is so good. Okay, uh, movies that you were thinking about, Eric. What you got? Wow. Well, well, no I'm Nightcrawler. Not, I went. I went straight <laughs> six movies here. Let's hear them. Baby Driver. Baby Driver. Great. It's crime. Great. Movie. It's heist. It's fun it may be the only fun movie on this list uh, uh no def- oh, not for me not i for definitely me. well uplifting fun uh not for me not for me okay i'm ready the town the town the great. town barely slips in just the clown. based on the no this isn't uh cam newton's movie uh, <laughs> cam, cam, newton <laughs> cam newton that's antonio that's clown antonio antonio brown <laughs> uh yeah the town is just what it's almost it was almost out of the year that we picked uh american animals yeah, great this movie. This is a fantastic Good movie. We watched uh, it together. Real life heist movie. One of the most interesting watching experiences watching it <laughs> over on my phone <laughs> with the crew. Uh, then we have Hell or High Water. This uh, was. I pick Hell. <laughs> this is a movie I that water. I wanted to put in awards and I may still. I loved this movie. Uh, I, this is the best Western of the 2010s. And Western because it takes place in Texas. And because it's a Western. And. Uh, I love the scene with uh, what don't you want the 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 super crotchety waitress. Oh, that's right. Yeah, everyone here orders T-bone sex. Some guy come down from New York City about oh nineteen eighty three. Try to order. Well, we don't order that. So you're getting T-bones. Everyone orders T-bones. You got green beans, corn, and mashed potatoes. So I ask you again, either you don't want the green beans or you don't want the corn. So what don't you want? And then, of course, the dude looking confused the whole time. It's so good. Uh, good time. Good time. Oh, I didn't not, think about this as crime. Not, right. not a good time, totally but a very good movie. Excellent choice, Eric. And then... It's, uh, it was fringy for me. I was gonna really, yeah. I put a record on the borderline okay. of my list. I was, I was blown away with that movie, and I watched it again. What three it's a really months ago? Movie, and it's still a good movie, and it's rewatchable. And then I have this movie. I don't think anyone here saw it, but I want to put it in here anyway. Nightcrawler with Mister <laughs> uh, Guy Named Gillen. 
Gillen Hall. His his uh his sister's an actor. Gillen Hall. Okay. Uh, movies that I thought belonged in this category. I'm with you on Baby Driver. Uh, I, okay, I have a couple questions. Sicario and John Wick. Those don't count for this. Those we're gonna keep those in action. Yep. I'm just keeping them out of here. Okay. Those, but those would both. I would have put list. Sicario Same. here if well, you guys. Well, Sicario had... would be number one if it. If... Drive. Uh, I, is the is the crime centric to that movie? I don't know, man. Like the first half hour, <laughs> and then the last yeah, half hour. Yeah, you know, I don't think it's. I don't. I don't know. know. I, I feel like I would then make us choose between that and Baby Driver, and we're all just picking Baby Driver. So um, the nice, the nice guys. Is that a crime movie? No, it's a cop movie. Isn't cop but don't cops deal movie? with crime? No, they are not. What? I never saw this movie. So I, I was including speak. like like Hell and Harry Water is a like a cop movie kind of too. It, except it takes the perspective of the criminal and the and, and the a, cop, and it's yes. a bunch of guys Both. trying to pull off bank heists. Um, uh, the showdown with the it's cops. like really uh, cutting into my my uh, my list my list here because those are like the ones that I thought of immediately. Well, you're not gonna say Fast Five. Fast Five's a good movie. Okay. I would I dig that Waiting. movie. I was assuming you were gonna say Fast Five. Um I like uh I don't know, guys. <laughs> it's you like literally a lot have of these, gotta move a box. So a that, little, that line works. A little the thing about this is that like a lot of these movies are like multi genre movies that are were like really hard like the raid and the raid two are kind of crimey to me too they are crime movies but, but since like the raid already action. made a list i feel like putting it on two lists yeah. doesn't make sense um how about logan lucky that's on my list i like logan lucky that's a good that's a fun movie it's real I, close for me the thing about soda the thing about soderbergh for me and just in general is i love how his movies are shot this is like so efficient and everything's tight the editing's really good there's no wasted space you're never like super bored during any of his movies unless the subject matter is boring um like that Pan- panama papers movie he made uh, are we doing wind river because Wind River was excellent. Um, Wind River is good. And it does center around a crime and revengeance of a crime. Mm-hmm. Okay. I can dig that. This is like a difficult... I feel like we're building the category almost as much as we just build the movies. I know you're going to put shoplifters in, right, Kevin? Um, I was going to save that for awards. Okay. I just feel like it has a better chance of making this list for sure. I feel like it probably won't make that list for either of you guys either way. But I think it would make this list okay, for me. Okay, let's put Shotlifters in there then because um, I think that should I'm be I'm going to preemptively put Knives Out on this list. No, I can't do that. <laughs> I'm serious though. Like I guarantee you it's going to be a top five for me in this. It's like so in my wheelhouse. I think that uh, movie we'll has just, a we'll chance so to become the, the next decade. Forrest Gump. That movie's um, going to be really fun. Eric, how do you feel about Hobo with a Shotgun? Hobo with a Shotgun is maybe the best trauma movie to come out. In the last five years, that was not a trauma movie. Uh, I feel like Widows gets knocked out by including the town because the town was just kind of better. Widows. You know what I liked about Widows though is that like the shots in that movie are so thoughtful. Um, there's and, a lot going on and, like, in a lot of the there's, scenes. There's a couple shots like when like when they're in the car and they're having that conversation. And you can see only you can see is the driver and then the background behind the car and you hear them talking from the back seat but you can't see them anymore and the slowly changes from the time ta- you see how how the city changes from like the slum area that he's in slowly and slowly yes. upgrades until he's in like the the ritzy area where he lives and that that shot's really cool um the shot where they're tracking and the guy's rapping and the guy's walking around him in a circle that shot's really there's a lot of really thoughtful shots in that in that movie that I really appreciated um, from like an artistic level and I think that's that's pretty cool um, I don't know I, I could see in, including it I mean that, that's a really good 
I feel like that's another one that probably gets a look, but not a nod. Um, uh, Molly's Game and Can You Ever Forgive Me are two movies that I thought were really interesting and well done, but wouldn't make my list. I like those movies. I like them quite a bit. I think they're uh, both very worth watching. I I would say Can You Ever Forgive Me was a little slow for me, but but it was like interesting and like really well acted. Uh, Johnny Two did a movie called Drug War, which is like uh, China's Sicario. Yeah. That was a really uh, that was a really interesting watch. I wish it would have been really called China's. Sicario. What about four? What about Four Lions, Kevin? Is that in this category? <laughs> four Lions is not in this category. But <laughs> yeah, is that but with Haley Joel but, Osment oh, and Michael okay, Caine? They four are committing okay, crimes. Fine. Four Lions is in this category, and it wouldn't make my list. But man, that's, I don't know, that's, man. I think that's could, a movie people need to watch. I feel like that could be on this list. That movie that's a movie people need to watch just so people believe me when I say that that movie exists. That movie is like dark. that's the darkest dark comedy I've ever seen. And it, it, it gave us Riz Ahmed, who is. Okay. Like, like, Rubber dingy rapids, man. I Rubber th- dingy rapids. I feel like the ending of that movie too. You like, you think like some. You think one thing's going to happen, <laughs> and then the exact, basically the I exact love- opposite of what you think's going to happen happens. I also love that it's exactly what he called at the beginning. I'm not going to be one of those guys. Yeah. <laughs> it's so dark. Nice. If you have got to have a specific sense of humor in order to not be a, so turned off by that movie, but I'm agreed. But in the end, it's all about rubber dingy rapids, man. Rubber dingy rapids, bro. Yeah, I'm not. It's a light. It's a light category for me. Surprisingly, like I thought. I feel sure. like the bangers are bangers, and there's a lot of stuff that we could keep here, but we're excluding. Okay, what about what about Triple X? Rise of Xander Cage. Okay, wait. Have you watched that movie? Yes, it's very fine. It's, it's not as bad as I thought it was going to be. It's missing like a decent writing team, and it's, then it would have been it was like good. it was just like a perfectly serviceable triple X. That's exactly what it was. So, um, uh, moving on. Not worth. I think I gave it like list. one and a half out of five. <laughs> <laughs> Movies better than the pacifier. So we've got. It belongs wait, on that what, list. what about Prisoners? Uh, Prisoners is embarrassingly a movie I have not seen. It's not. There's crime in this movie. I really like the actors. <laughs> the I account? really like the director, and it's just one that hasn't. Have you seen it. Prisoners, Eric? No, didn't see it. What about? Um, Actually, on this this category, I've missed a lot of movies. This Spring Breakers movie is not good. No, I like don't like Harmony Korine at all. There's there's a take. Thank you. I, I, I don't think that's a bad take at Harmony all. Harmony guy's Car- overrated. Harmony Korine is so overrated to me. Um, oh, I is guess- Blue Ruin a crime movie, Eric? No, I got. I'm I'm way stricter on the is this a blank movie than you guys are. I almost wanted to is Chappie a... is Chappie a crime movie? <laughs> <laughs> Fuck you! I love Chappie. Chappie, Chappie doesn't suck, man. It it just kind of sucks. <laughs> it just had the it had the displeasure of being the follow up to okay, fine. other so movies. Your comment is that Chappie doesn't suck. You're putting Chappie on a top five list for the decade for what? This is a great review from one of my friends on Letterboxd. Chappie. Just the review says, cannot believe this was actually released. <laughs> That's all it says. That's a good review of it. I like the part where he's rapping under the bridge. I just like the part where he walks like ninja. He's like, just doing that stupid walk. Yeah, I mean, we all needed a modern release of Johnny Five. It um, could be used a little bit more. It is uh, the best track. Right, so my, my top good. five, Fast Five, Fast Six, Fast Seven. Uh, <laughs> the Town. Joker. <laughs> the other guys. No. Um, okay, in all seriousness, I love The Town. So I'm going to go Town, Baby Driver, Widows, uh, Logan Lucky, Nightcrawler. I think that's a five that I could that I could. With. All right. Now, now you guys tell me movies you want in. What do you guys want? I want Nightcrawler, and I just love that movie. I thought I was 
I was held in suspense the entire time watching it. Speaking of Riz Ahmed, like, he's so good in that movie. Yeah. Did you not put Fast Five on your list? I did. I said, oh, okay. I jokingly said Fast Five, Fast Six, Fast Seven. Oh, okay. Then you went back and you're like, okay, for real. Okay, yeah, Fast Five. Fast the five. Town needs to be on this list. The Town. It's, it's perfect crime Great. movie. Okay, so we got Nightcrawler and The Town. Kevin, you in on those? Yeah, those two and Baby Driver are the ones I already wrote in our top five. Baby Driver, okay. Baby Driver should be the it's fast super five. Fun. Those are three of our five without a doubt. I'm fine with leaving Hell or High Water out because that may make the awards for me. Okay. Because I, I really don't want to repeat anything, but I will repeat it if we take it out here. I'm happy taking it out so I can put it in there. Okay, so if we're talking about like great film, there's other movies I'm putting on here. Like? Um, like Shoplifters, Wind River... Uh, those are probably the two that I immediately think of as being really great film. I'd like to see one of those on here, but this is our list, and so being like dumb and fun, like fa- uh, I think like Fast Five. If I asked you, like, what list. would you rather watch right now, Fast Five or or um or Wind River? Like, you're gonna pick Fast Five. I don't that's ever want to watch Wind River again. Uh, that's a that's a that's like a. So I, then I think we you don't want to watch that movie. Like Hell or High times. Water, Wind River, and Shoplifters. I think we should pick one of those three because those are the like truly really good movies. Like I would say, great films. Well, then where does the genre and are well done? What is American Animals? I mean, fall in let's be thing? honest. Fast Five is the Citizen Kane of stupid movies. Like it really is. <laughs> it, should we do a stupid movies a, category? It, it is a it is a fucking is it is a sentence? fucking masterpiece. Should we do a stupid ma- uh, stupid masterpieces list? That, that is like the, I feel like everything we say is a stupid masterpiece. That's the list. But I mean that is a, it is dumb, but it's the best dumb thing ever. Bring the rain. Like what's the dumbest part of that movie? Anything with Tyrese. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Correct. Thank you. <laughs> Nailed it. That's, Ask me how many fast. Hey guys, why I would say when Tyrese is trying to hit on the uh, the chick at the evidence counter and then gets hey, uh, C blocked by the detective and is super upset about is it. Is Weir the Miller's a uh, uh, crime movie? Shut up. You. It's not that bad. Are out of here. You're, you're no, a it's the perfect it's better movie than to be on bosses. Comedy you know, Central. I really like the part about with the Miller about the freaking glue. Okay, I think so Heller, much paste. I think Heller High Water is the best of those three. Heller movies, High Water. Okay. By the way, okay. Biasic, you know how much I love that movie. Like it's better than Shoplifters, barely, and it's much better than wind river that's that's my opinion uh i think that you're far too down on wind river but that's fine whenever it's like um, a three and a half i liked it it's good um but hell or high water i think i gave it a f- i can't have I any other it, opinion because like four, four, and a half. four of my movies are in the top five uh i think four of all of our movies are in the top five shoplifter shoplifters is really good though uh, uh that, it, i i would probably actually, go with either shoplifters or, you know or high water and i think the motif of the list i'm going with high hell or high water on it i think i'll go like three and a half four 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 of those movies those three movies hell wind river hell or high water and i think wind river maybe four and, and a half or i think i'm four, four four and a half four and a half i think i'm gonna be four and a half for hell or high water that's a pretty good one um but they're all they're all awesome i mean the thing with hell or high water is it has the action sequences that i crave in an action movie if you look the town baby driver nightcrawler fast five hell or high water those are movies where they they nail the action sequences. They nail other aspects, but all five of those nail the action sequences, and that's something we want. Yeah. Also, just, Ben Foster's Comanche speech. Okay, <laughs> now we got to rank these movies. Okay, and I I think we should put the town first. I already have it first. Okay. You guys are good with that. You guys go with that. I'm good with that. I'll put Baby Driver second. I think we should put Fast Five second. Nope. Because it's the Citizen Kane of dumb movies. That's nice. Then that makes it fifth. 
No, that, no, that's. <laughs> I had it fourth. Well, it is. It already has a five at the end, Nathan. Yeah, that's true. No way, this movie's that's so the most good. Way of doing it. Remember that? Remember uh, the? Did you know that The Rock and Vin Diesel in this movie had writers in their contract that they couldn't lose that fight? That's yep. why it ended in a dumb tie, where Vin Diesel hit a wrench into the side of The Rock's head. You're doing a great job of explaining why it should be fifth. <laughs> so stupid. Uh, this is just it's... so I'm looking at the town, Baby Driver, Nightcrawler, Hell or High Water, and then Fast Five. Yeah, that's fine. <laughs> I just really wanted to say Citizen Kane of dumb movies one, sure. three more times. Would you put <laughs> Hell or High Water above Nightcrawler? No, that's I, tough, I man. actually think Hell or High Water is better. I, w- I think but it's more enjoyable. It's more. I never want to watch Nightcrawler again. That's what yeah. made my skin grow. I'll be honest. It's more residual hate for Dan Gilroy after Roman J. Israel Esquire and Velvet <laughs> and Velvet Buzzsaw. Like he definitely hit right the first time and then has not been back since. I'm gonna move Hell or High Water up over. He also color. gets to have Rene Russo in all his movies because it's his wife, so it's like a completely unfair advantage that he has in all of his <laughs> movies, and he still manages to blow it in two out of three. So yeah, that's that sucks. Okay, so we have the town, baby driver, hell or high water, nightcrawler, fast five. I'm good with that. I'm in. Yeah. Alright. So for Eric Gronenbeck, for Kevin Garber, we will see you next week. Go Hawks. Thank you.